This evening we are looking at the topic of what's so unique about the Bible. What's so unique about the Bible? I'm sure your friends in school, college, neighborhood may have asked you this question. Or maybe you yourself have asked yourself. Other religions have their own religious books. What's so different? What's so unique about the Bible that you have? That's going to be our topic of study this evening. So first of all, let's look at some interesting facts about the Bible. Some of these facts maybe you're aware of, maybe some you're not aware of, but let's look at some of these interesting facts. Number one, do you know in how many languages the Bible was written? The answer is in three languages. Those languages are Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Most of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, which was the original uh, uh, language of the Jews. A few bits of the Old Testament is written in Aramaic, pieces in Ezra and Daniel, for example. And the New Testament, of course, was written in Greek, which was the commonly spoken language of that time. Number two, how many words are there in the Bible? I may say, who will sit and count the words? But the Bible is 611,000 words long. Now, this is not in the English language. This is in the original language. Now, the reason why I put this question here is because when the, uh, the scribes you know, wrote down this on scrolls, in order to make sure that they did not miss out on uh, any word, what they used to do is, on that particular section, they used to count the number of words that were there and then identify the middle word of that and also note that down just to make sure that the transcribing from one scroll to the other was very, very accurate. This is how the Jews uh, uh, considered the Bible, the Old Testament for them, as very sacred. So every word was very important. So the Bible is around 611,000 words long in the original language. Obviously, when you're translating it, there will be a little more of a paraphrasing. One Hebrew word or one Greek word may not have really conveyed the whole meaning. So the number of words in English or in any other translation will definitely be more. Number three, what is the longest book in the Bible? The longest book in the Bible is Jeremiah. Is Jeremiah. Again, Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, we read Jeremiah saying, I will not, if I will say, I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. In other words, Jeremiah had so much to say. The Lord had put so many truths on his heart to tell the people of Israel. And as a result, the book of Jeremiah, if you notice, is the longest book. But this is considering as one book. We'll also look at later on, for example, you have the first kings and the second kings, for example. If it was as one book, then that would be the longest. We'll look at a little later why it was split into two. Number four, what is the shortest book in the Bible? What is the shortest book in the Bible? The shortest book is 3rd John. You can read this entire book 
in just about one minute. And the book right before that, 2nd John, is the second shortest book in the Bible. Number five, how many authors wrote the Bible? How many authors wrote the Bible? The Bible was written by more than 40 traditional authors. Moses is given credit for the first five books, but apart from that, we have different, different people from different backgrounds who wrote the Bible. Number six, what are the backgrounds of the authors who wrote the Bible? The Bible was written from diverse occupational backgrounds. There were kings who wrote the Bible. There were farmers, there were fishermen, there was a tent maker, prophets, doctors, okay, musicians, people from different, different backgrounds. Number seven, do the Jews have the same order of books in the Old Testament? Remember, the Old Testament that we have is the same as the Jews that follow. The Jews also follow the same. Now, the order of books in the Old Testament are enough for the Jews are arranged differently. Their order is first are the law books, you know, then you have the prophetic books, then you have the writings. Okay. Question 8, how many songs are there in the Bible? How many songs are there in the Bible? There are at least 185 songs. You take 150 from the Psalms, there are definitely more than 185, at least 185 songs in the Bible. Number nine, we add this question. Why is there a combination of two books like First and Second Kings, for example, instead of just one book of Kings? Okay. Some of these books were divided after they were written. Why was it so? Because to put the entire document, remember we said First and Second Kings, if it was one book, it will be the longest book. If they had to put it in one scroll, it would have to be a very big scroll and it would also be too heavy to manage. That is why some of these books were split up into two. We have 1st Kings, 2nd Kings, we have 1st Chronicles, 2nd Chronicles, 1st Samuel, 2nd Samuel. Finally, number 10, where was the Bible written? The Bible was written in three, on three continents. Most of it was written on modern-day Israel, you can say in the Asian continent. Some passages of Jeremiah were written in Egypt, which would say the African continent. And several New Testament epistles were written from cities in Europe. So three continents this Bible was written. So having said this interesting facts about the Bible, think for a moment, 40 different authors, okay? Over a period of around 1400, 1600 years, you know, from beginning to the end, all of them have been put together to make this Bible. And that is what we will learn further. Some fascinating facts that make the Bible unique. There is no other book that even stands in this category. Let me share with you seven factors that show that the Bible stands apart from any other book in history. First of all, unique in authorship, unique in authorship, you know, 40 different authors, we said, from different backgrounds. There were kings, like King Solomon, fishermen, like Peter, doctors, like Luke, military leaders, like Joshua, tax collectors, like Matthew, and even some who are unknown, as it were. Now, Different people from different backgrounds writing this 
so that it is becomes one volume and we can read it making sense from Genesis to Revelation does definitely make it unique. For example, if we were around 20, 30 people this evening together and we are all in different, different places, you know, if I were to ask you, write one chapter, you know, one chapter of a book and we think of compiling it together, would you think there will be a coherence? Would you think there will be an order? Would you think there will be a continuity? Not at all. Because even though we are from different backgrounds, different places, same generation, same time, you know, to find that connection, you will say, hey, how do we know what the other person is writing? This is what makes the Bible unique because the Bible has been inspired by God. God is the one who moved people to write. So there's a continuity. There's a link between Genesis to Revelation. Secondly, there's a uniqueness in its literary forms uniqueness in its literary form. There are different types of literature over here. You have poetry, you have history, you have law, you have biographies, you have songs, you have wives, wise sayings, you have letters that were written, okay? All of these are from different, different styles of writing, literary forms, but still they are all communicating one supreme narrative. They are all communicating through different literary forms the fact of God's creation and God's recreation. Paradise lost in Genesis, paradise is regained in the New Testament. Number three, unique in its languages. Unique in its languages. We said the Bible was written in three different languages. Mostly, most books will be written in one language alone, isn't it? The whole book. Here's a scripture which is written in three languages, but still has that continuity. This is something that is so unique. The Bible also is unique in its teachings. The Bible contains unique teachings not found in any of the other religious texts in the world. For example, the Bible uniquely teaches that salvation is by grace alone, a free gift from God to anyone who will receive it. It's not just good teaching. It's not just good teaching to say, if you follow this, 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 then you'll reach up to God. But the uniqueness of this teaching is as an offering of salvation. If you believe by faith, then you find God's acceptance. Fifthly, it is unique in its impact. It's unique in its impact. The Bible has shaped civilization more than any other book. It has left its mark on art, on music, literature, history, government, and so on. The Bible was never a hindrance to the development of science. In fact, quite the opposite is true because quite a few of the scientists were actually believers who based their understanding of who God is on scripture. It was actually Christian theology which was essentially in our uh, important for the rise of science. Number six, it is also unique in its circulation. It is the most circulated book in history. It is the most circulated book in history, okay? From early manuscripts to the invention of the printing press to the pervasiveness of the internet, the Bible is the most circulated book in history. 
Rarely does a book reach the bestseller list or even sell a hundred thousand copies. But the Bible has sold billions of copies and been printed tens of billions of times. No other book is even anywhere close to it, unique in its circulation. And finally, number seven, it is unique in its survival. Unique in its survival. No other written work has been as critiqued, scrutinized, or challenged as the Bible. The French philosopher Voltaire, two years before he died, he says, within 100 years of my death, Christianity will no longer exist. There will be no Bibles on the face of this earth. But just 50 years after his death, the Bible Society used his own printing press to print Bibles. The Bible is unique in its survival. The Bible is undoubtedly a unique book. It is a unique book. So we definitely should uh, study the Bible, find out what the Bible has to say so that we can live by its principles. Thirdly, the biblical claims for uniqueness. The biblical claims for uniqueness. Not only are we saying for these factors the Bible is unique, the Bible itself claims that it is unique among all books and is God's word for humanity. Seven different claims that the Bible itself says that this is a unique book. Number one, the Bible claims to be inspired by God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17, we read, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God breathed. That's the meaning for and uh, inspired. No term could have been chosen, however, which would uh, 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 clarify this statement of, uh, about being inspired as this word, God breathed. It is not like today when we speak about somebody was inspired to write a good poetry. No, when the Bible says inspired by God, it means basically it was God breathed. Okay. Also in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, we read, Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So when you're speaking about God breathed, it means you know, that the words that are used to write the scriptures breathed by God. So words are important. Every word, every word is important in scripture. It also means that you know, it was not that it was a dictation because styles are different. There are different styles that are mentioned. So God used these individuals to write the scripture okay secondly the bible is powerful the bible is powerful jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 9 says is not my word like fire declares the lord and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces the bible is not just a book the bible is the powerful living word of god it can penetrate into our hearts and it's like fire, it's like a hammer. And in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it reads, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
That's what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us. It is living and active. So when you read the Bible, don't just read it, oh, just it's just a book. Read it as if God himself is speaking to you because this is God breathed. Read it because it's a powerful word of God. It is living, it is active. It can definitely change your life. As you read it, God speaks to you and God enables you to be transformed into his likeness and image. The third uniqueness is that the Bible communicates its own authority. It communicates its own authority. In other words, there are plenty of passages in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Jesus himself who emphasizes that the word of God has a lot of power and authority. This is why we memorize scripture, by the way, because God's word has authority. Old Testament passage, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8 tells us, The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. What God has said in his word stands forever. Whatever is written in the scriptures stands forever. That is what the Bible is saying. The Bible is not just a, a storybook. It's not just a mythology. It's not just fant it is not fantasy, but it is actually having a lot of power and authority. Jesus himself said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24 and verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So Jesus is saying, all that I've spoken of here is God's word. Read it, study it, because it will never change. It will never pass away. And in the New Testament, again, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 25, it reads, the word of the Lord stands forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. So as a result, since the Bible communicates its own authority, and we have the assurance in his word that God's word will never go in vain. We memorize it, we use it, we acknowledge its authority in our lives. Number four, the Bible is unique in its teaching and its details. In its teaching and its details. No other book in history compares to the unique combination of spiritual teachings and details of accuracy as provided in the Bible. Now you can do a Look at different, different passages of scripture, which speaks about the, uh, the importance you know, of history, which speaks about the accuracy of history. For example, when you're looking at the book of uh, you know, Acts, for example, written by Luke, you know, a physician, one who was very methodical in his writing. He has a lot of details mentioned over there. Who was the king, who was the governor at different, different particular times. If you check back into history, all these things were actually true. So they are not stories that were written. They're actually historical evidences. The Bible is the only ancient religious scripture whose complete text has been preserved with such an extreme level of accuracy. In fact, we have more manuscripts, original manuscripts, you know, that are still present today so that we can verify that what was actually written then is the same written now than for any other book in human history. The Bible describes right from the creation till what's going to happen in the future when he will set up his kingdom. 15-year period, 40-plus authors, 
three different languages, three continents, discussing and writing about different, different uh, issues. Still, there is one unique continuity in all of that. That is definitely something that is unique. Number five, the Bible is unique in its straightforward interpretation. Straightforward interpretation. The Bible declares that it is our responsibility to interpret the Bible accurately. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a woman, uh, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. God wants us to be individuals who are good students of the word. If he himself has written this book for us, then we must respect the Bible as God's word. We must apply proper interpretive principles to study it and depend upon the Holy Spirit to allow us to understand and to apply it in our lives. Number six, what was Jesus' view of the Bible? Some individuals will have this question, okay? Why do we have the Old Testament? Why do we have the New Testament? Why so many books? Who decided these books should be the only ones? Aren't there any other books? Jesus, when he was here on earth, he spoke about the Old Testament as, as it is written in the law, the prophets, okay? That was an emphasis of his acceptance of the Old Testament order of uh, how the Jews had accepted it. So when you're speaking about Jesus affirming the contents of the Old Testament, then the church today, the early church, has accepted that as part of Scripture. New Testament was written over a different period of time. Different apostles wrote it. There were criteria for that, okay? And as it was read, written and read in the congregation, the people who heard it recognized that this was no ordinary letter of Peter or of Paul, but this has God's authority on it. And this is why after some time when there were individuals who were writing their own letters and signing it as Peter and Paul and sending it across, which had a lot of heretical teaching, the church only decided on this particular day we are putting a closure because this is going to be the number of books that will be there in the Bible. And that's why, again, in the book of Revelation, we find nobody should add or nobody should subtract. Jesus himself said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24 and verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. This is Jesus's view of the scriptures. Also in John chapter 14 and verse 26, he promised the disciples that the Holy Spirit would teach them all things and bring to remembrance the things that Jesus had taught them. So if it is the Spirit of God who inspired, who gave the words, who gave the thoughts to the people to write, the Holy Spirit of God is still there with us today to guide us. As a result, none of us can say, Hey, I don't know what the Bible is teaching. Think for a moment. If the author of a book was willing to sit down with you and explain what he has written, would you have any questions about it? For example, you have your textbooks. If the author came and sat down and said, you don't understand this, let me explain it to you. You'd be so happy, isn't it? 
Now, the Spirit of God, the writer of the scriptures, is there with us, wanting to teach us. So, the question would be, would we be willing to allow him to teach us? Number seven, the Bible is proven reliable historically. Archaeologists have discovered, and they are still discovering, okay, 25,000, now over 25,000 places or facts consistent with the historical locations and times cited in the Bible. They are still digging, still discovering, still checking up. You know, they are still trying to find out, hey, the Bible is not true historically, but no. The more they are digging, the more they are finding, they are finding that all those things that are mentioned in Scripture are proven reliable historically. Now, you may have a question in our mind, how is the Bible different from other religious books? You know? Don't the other religions books also teach the same thing? We must understand this. There are many similarities. But yes, there are also great differences. When you compare the teachings from the different religious books, you will find, you will likely find many similar teachings. Why? Because we all share humanity. No book will say, look here, you know, you know, they would not reverse good and bad in that sense. Religions will speak about you all must do good. Now, just because another religious book will say you must do good, that doesn't mean that it's the same. No, we must understand that when the Bible is speaking about goodness, there's a different definition of it. So how does the Bible really differ? I mean, how can we say that the Bible is unique? How can we say that this is different from just the writings of these other books, which will give you uh, explanations of how you can reach to God? The main difference, the main difference, you know, we must understand that all other religious books are actually only speaking about pathways to God, pathways to God. They're speaking about if you do this, 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 if you do these, these, these good works, then you will reach God. But the uniqueness of the Bible is it's not just giving pathways. It's speaking about Jesus himself who is saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. So goodness is defined in terms of goodness is not something that we do, but goodness is something that we do in terms of accepting what Christ has done for us because he says he is the way. The Bible is not making pointings. The Bible is showing Jesus is indeed the way. Yet another key difference you know, between the Bible and other sacred books is the sheer number of prophecies that are contained within its you know, pages. In the Old Testament alone, there are around 300 prophecies about a coming Christ that all came true in the person of Christ. A lot of prophecies in the Old Testament speaking about what will happen. Jeremiah speaks about you know, captivity in Babylon and coming back from captivity. Daniel speaks about different prophecies. And definitely in the Old Testament books, more than 300 prophecies specifically about the coming of Jesus. And each one of them has been fulfilled. Could it be possible just you know, by somebody, some fluke happening like that? No, not at all. When we total up the probabilities of you know, the odds of one individual independently and simultaneously fulfilling even 10 prophecies, even 10 prophecies are actually 1 in 16,425 with 47 zeros behind it. In other words, we are talking about something that is virtually impossible. Or to make it even more graphic for you, okay, 
think for a moment, maybe an area of around 600 and uh, 6,150 kilometers, okay? This large area, 6,000 kilometers. You fill this entire place with coins of a depth of two feet, okay? You fill this entire region, maybe think of our country, our country is around 3,000 plus center kilometers, and I fill the entire place with coins up to two feet deep. And then you pick up one coin, you pick up one coin, paint it red, and drop that coin somewhere in the middle of the area, mixing it with all the other coins that are there. And your job now is to fly in a helicopter over this particular area and pick up that one coin. The whole area is yours. You can take as much time as you like, but you must select the coin the first time you reach down into this whole area. And by the way, you will be blindfolded. For something to happen like that, we'll say impossible. But think of the number of prophecies that the Bible spoke about Jesus coming back again, all fulfilled. And look at also the number of prophecies that are speaking about his coming back again. If they have been fulfilled about the first coming, think about the uh, certainty of the fulfillment of his second coming as well. So you and I have been given this Bible. Somebody has given an acronym to the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, as basic information before leaving earth. Basic information before leaving earth. Whether Christ comes back again or we go to him first, you know, before we leave this earth, God has given us this book. This book that teaches us who Jesus is. This book that teaches us the way to reach up to God and to be in his fellowship. This book that teaches us basic instructions of how we should live here on earth. And who wrote this book? God himself inspired it. Are we left without any understanding? Because the writer himself is saying, I will be with you. I will help you to understand it. So none of us are without excuse. So make sure as you have understood the importance of the Bible, let me encourage you. Let it not just be a book. Every time you read the Bible, take it as God himself speaking to you, wanting to speak to you. The Spirit of God is willing to sit and explain it to you. Read it with that attitude and see the power that will come, the life that will come as you read and understand his word. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.